Media director for the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence, Andrew Patrick, is our guest. The Coalition to Stop Gun Violence seeks to secure freedom from gun violence through research, strategic engagement, and effective policy advocacy. Andrew directs the organization's social media strategy, media um, uh, media strategy, press relations, and website development. They have media strategy twice in his uh, bio there. Hey, Andrew, good afternoon and welcome. Andrew Patrick, media director for the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. How are you? Hi, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, Andrew, every time we have a shooting, one of the first things is, what's the guy's name? Because, you know, if it's Muhammad, they say it's terrorism. And, you know, if it's a Muslim name, an Arab name, um, is it terrorism? And then it comes down to which political party or candidate did this person support? But there's something big that everybody is overlooking is the access to the weapon that is used. And not that everybody's overlooking it. You people aren't. I'm not. A lot of our listeners are not. Uh, but, but this is something that politicians, especially on the right within the Republican Party, don't want to talk about. Um, so let's talk about uh, the shooting. Um, y- you guys at the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence had a great uh, headline in one of your press releases. Today's shootings prove gun violence does not discriminate. I think we also know that, you know, gun violence does not discriminate. You know, you can be a liberal, you can be a conservative, the victim can be a liberal, can be a conservative. It, it, the, the gun violence is not political, but the gun used is indisputable. And, and, and the access uh, to, to that weaponry. Um, so uh, let's, let's talk about this because uh, this, this uh, perpetrator allegedly had run-ins with the law in the past, a history, I, I think, of domestic violence and uh, issues with um, owning a weapon. Shouldn't have had weapon, clearly, right? I mean, you're absolutely right, Leslie. The greatest indicator of future violence is past violence. So when you look back and you see this gentleman who I believe was charged with aggravated battery of his wife. Um, the charges were eventually dropped, so there's, uh, since they were dropped and there was no uh, gun removal in that case. Um, but, I mean, far too often we see this connection between uh, violent behavior and these, uh, these horrible shootings. This, this gentleman, uh, clearly there's a lot of issues here, but... He uh, had the ability to gain access to a high-powered weapon. Uh, it looks like he wasn't very uh, equipped in operating it because uh, apparently it was just a, a madhouse in the, on that baseball field. Uh, but it is, a, uh, it is a problem that we see in uh, incident after incident. Um, these violent behavior creates these, these mass killers, uh, and that's something that we're trying to stop at the, the coalition. I, I want to talk about this because it wasn't just one shooting, it was two, and that's just in the course of one day in our country. Five people, including the House Majority Whip Steve Scalise, were shot and injured at the baseball field in Alexandria, Virginia, just out of our nation's capital. And then hours later, police in San Francisco responded to reports of an active shooting at a UPS facility, um, and uh, several fatalities uh, were reported there. We still have details even uh, coming out um, today. Um, these are horrific shootings. And, you know, people get tired of reading about thoughts and prayers, even about condolences uh, to the families of, uh, of those who were killed, or to people who we hope and, and pray and wish a speedy recovery for those that are injured. Um, you know, we always talk about how brave 
uh, the uh, men and women in our first responders teams are and how, how great they are at you know, uh, sometimes gunning down a perpetrator and certainly those first responders there um, for the victims. We saw the brave men and women at the of the Capitol, the Capitol Police in Alexandria. We also saw that in San Francisco among uh, their police um, force. But um, gun violence, is it fair to say, is not confined to one demographic. It, it's not consigned to, confined to one set of Americans. In other words, you don't have to be a right-wing wacko to own a gun and use it as this has been shown. You don't need to have a political beef. There are people out there killing out of uh, rage, out of revenge, out of anger, out of mental illness, out of uh, things go wrong in a robbery and they need money because they need to you know, feed their, their drug habit. There are those who are, are, are politically making a statement. There are those that have uh, terrorist uh, ties or activities. Uh, there are those that just plain kill people based on hatred or, 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 or racism. People who kill, um, you know, simply because others defended individuals that they were uh, preying on or people who kill based on the color of one's skin or, or someone's religion or the clothing they wear. This just goes across the board. So gun violence is not confined to one demographic. You, you nailed it, Leslie. This, I mean, this week is actually what uh, the gun violence prevention movement has labeled uh, disarm hate week because we have two anniversaries. On Monday was the one-year anniversary of the Pulse shooting in Orlando, and on upcoming on Saturday is the uh, two-year anniversary of the uh, Charleston uh, Mother Emanuel uh, massacre. And they, these are people who had hatred for these demographics, uh, African-American in Charleston and uh, LGBTQ uh, Hispanic, mostly, in Orlando. Uh, but the people who had hate were able to get a gun and destroy lives. Uh, the hatred uh, – the gun makes this hate fatal. It is the ability to grab it, uh, to grab it and use it and kill a lot of people and, in a short period of time. The yesterday shooting is not uh, unusual in this country. We have 92 people killed by guns every day. We have 36,000 killed every year. What made it newsworthy yesterday was who the, uh, the uh, victims were. They were members of Congress. They were Republican members of Congress. Uh, so this is a rare instance where the people who uh, can affect change and make it harder for dangerous individuals to get a gun were affected by gun violence. Uh, and we hope they take this opportunity and, and, and really think about how serious this issue is and how Americans are dying every single day. Speaking of dying every single day, more than 90 individuals die from gun violence alone in the United States every day. That number is correct, right? I'm not being, uh, you know, exaggerating or sensationalistic with numbers. Over 90 a day from gun violence. That's correct. And that's, that is dying. That doesn't count the people whose lives are affected from being shot and surviving either with injuries or uh, just uh, a post-traumatic stress. Uh, it is, uh, that is more than 90 people just dying from gun violence. You mentioned the um, Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Monday uh, we remembered those victims. Uh, a couple of days, we're going to remember the nine victims that were killed in their church in Charleston as the result of a hate crime, racially motivated. These are big incidents, just like what happened in Alexandria, Virginia. You know, you have 
a congressional member, you know, you, you have politicians. But when you have over 90 a day, like you said, that die, and we just look at how many, uh, you know, mass shootings there are, there are so many other shootings that aren't mass. In other words, not not all of the shootings, not all of the injuries, not even all of the deaths are reaching, you know, the front page of the paper or the headline. I, I mean, you know, maybe buried somewhere tiny in print or not even mentioned at all or buried on, on page 12. And, and, I, and I say that because I want to ask you two things. Um, one, is it... You know, if it bleeds, it leads, but you got to bleed a lot or be important for people to hear about it, it would seem, right? It has to be like a, a, a massacre, as they call it, or, you know, the victim has to be a celebrity or a politician uh, for Americans to even hear about some of these uh, incidences of, of gun violence, which, you know, are occurring every single day. Five shots with no deaths on a baseball field would not be newsworthy uh, in most places in America. It would not even uh, would not make anywhere close to the front page. Uh, and that's just the society. I mean, society and Americans have accepted this as the norm, and we're here to say no. This there are ways to prevent these from happening. There are ways to keep dangerous people from gaining access to these weapons. Um, we just need. Uh, the people who make the laws, and in many states, to be fair, there are laws that are passing that are making stronger gun laws. Uh, that has not made its way to Washington, D.C. yet, but I wouldn't set this Congress as the benchmark uh, because we know how hard it is to pass even legislation that they can agree on, much less uh, an issue where uh, that has been divisive in the past and is probably going to continue to be divisive for a period, a period of time. When we talk about uh, gun violence, I think there are some people that feel, and we talked about it not discriminating, um, but, I mean, there are white people that pull the trigger and are victims. There are African Americans that pull the trigger and are victims, uh, Latinos. Um, there are Muslims who pull the trigger and Muslims who are victims. There are gay people who pull the trigger, gay people are victims, straight, uh, Republican, uh, Democrat. Um, does it surprise you that within minutes of these types of shootings, they need to label the shooter? You know, e either they are a, um, you know, ISIS provoked or Islamic, you know, fundamental Islamic, radical Islamic terrorist, um, you know, or they're a, uh, what, what, what are they calling them now? They're saying that there are, there are more and more violent, you know, antics from the loony left uh, as this guy was being referred to yesterday. I mean, the fact that Senator Sanders had to come out and condemn the actions of somebody who just happened to support him politically uh, blows my mind. I think it was the right thing for him to do. But, I mean, you know, Senator Sanders, no politician is responsible, for left or right, for the actions of an individual who's filled with hate, has lost their mind a bit of both, and has a gun in their hand. It is a uh, an issue... Uh, that is going to have to be confronted. This, uh, these were, this was an attack on members of Congress. If this gentleman had been anything but white, it would have been labeled an act of terrorism uh, immediately in the news media. Uh, that wasn't the case. But we do, we do put people into boxes uh, when these things happen, and we try to justify it based on what they've said or posted on their social media accounts. Uh, the common denominator is the gun. It is the availability of a gun um, that made a tragedy occur. 
you know, I want to know, there are people out there who cite stats and right-wingers who are very pro-gun uh, want to do this all the time. And, and I want to be clear, no one, including you guys, is trying to take away a Second Amendment. We're just trying to take away the, not try to take away, limit the type of weaponry that can do mass destruction to, to whom that weaponry uh, is available. Am I correct in that? That's correct. I mean, we've heard for years from the gun lobby and the pro-gun movement that it's uh, a gun doesn't kill people. People kill people. That's why we need to identify dangerous people and make sure they don't have access to a gun. And when we talk about that, it's interesting. Every time there's a shooting, more and more people go out and buy guns. Why do you think that is? Is that is that just fear and the idea that the better armed we are, the safer we are? Because the stats don't bear that to be true. If If more guns made you safe, America would be the safest country in the world. Uh, and that is not the case. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see under this new administration if there is a rush to the gun stores, as there was under the uh, under the Obama administration. Uh, the the trend that we've kind of watched is has been that uh, Trump, uh, President Trump, has been bad for gun sales because there isn't the fear that there's going to be legislation that will uh, will, will enact stronger gun laws. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to watch to see if there is a rise in gun sales after this incident. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it will be not be the last high-profile uh, shooting. Uh, there are more shootings happening every day. There's more people dying from guns every day. Uh, and as we talked about, those are not – they don't make their way into the headlines. But uh, these are lives. These are, Amer- these are American lives that are destroyed uh, every single day because of uh, the lax gun laws that we have. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with our guests. We're also going to share some of the tweets uh, that were quite interesting um, and and very informational from the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. Andrew Patrick is their media director. He's with us. We hope you will join us. 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. Are guns part of the problem? Is that common sense? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. Check out the website, csgv.org. Follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew underscore Patrick. Follow the CSGV at CSGV. Back after this. We're back. Andrew Patrick, media director of the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence, is our guest. Andrew, thank you for holding. Welcome back. In light of oh, the sh- thank you. In light of the shooting uh, in uh, Virginia, I want to read the CSGV's uh, uh, tweets because I want to speak to this. And this goes back to, you know, if there's a violent background, there's probably going to be a violent future. Um, the Alexandra Shooter, Alexandra Shooter had been arrested and charged with assault of his girlfriend in 2006, and he also had a valid Illinois firearm license. In April 2006, he was arrested on a firearms battery charge after he allegedly punched his girlfriend in the face, then pulled a 12-gauge shotgun on a witness who attempted to intervene, then struck the witness on the left side of the head with the wooden uh, stock of the shotgun. And there was another incident that involved his foster children, uh, a child, where he choked the child and pulled her hair. Andrew, so that people understand, Kent, you Kent, you can do these things and purchase a firearm, correct? There's nothing that stops you. I mean, yes, if you have served time in prison, um, if you're a convicted felon, you can't uh, get a gun. Or maybe I'm wrong. Certainly you can get a gun illegally. Uh, but this guy got um, a gun, at least one that we know of, legally. Many states uh, don't have restrictions on violent misdemeanors. Uh, so when there's these domestic battery, domestic violence uh, charges that are uh, misdemeanors, 
there is not a restriction. Uh, it varies state to state. Uh, I don't think we know exactly where he purchased this gun, whether it was in Virginia or whether he transported it from Illinois or, or where exactly he got it. Uh, but it is a lot of abusers remained armed because uh, of these weak laws in many, many states. We're going to take another break. That's our short segment. And when we come back, we're going to talk about mass shootings, different definitions of those, and what number the GOP baseball shooting was in our America. I'm Leslie Marshall. Back after this, pick up the phone and join us, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. The Coalition to Stop Gun Violence, CSGV.org. Follow them on Twitter at CSGV and Andrew's handle at Andrew underscore Patrick. We'll be back with him and you right after this. We are back. Welcome, welcome back. We are talking with Andrew Patrick, Media Director for the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. Andrew, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Let's take some calls. If you have questions or comments regarding um, the shootings, regarding gun violence, the shootings in San Francisco and in Virginia, and all the shootings this year, we're going to talk about that. Mass shootings, guns, and how much guns factor into the equation. Pick up the phone and join us. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Let's go to line two in Decatur, Georgia with Reggie. Uh, Reggie, question or comment for our guest, Andrew? Well, I, have a, I have a question. You know, you, yeah, why is it that whenever you have a massive shooting such as this, the conservatives always quick to blame us on the left for this? When the actuality is, their, shall we say, rhetoric that that causes all of this. Whether they get it from talk radio or television or anywhere else or social media, they always blame us when in fact it's them that are, well, perpetuating it. Even though it's not physically, they're doing it subliminally, you know? Like uh, blaming those for their lot in life. Blaming those for their lot in life so that those, for, you know, those who are blamed who are blaming for their life, like, will pick up a gun, or those who are mentally ill in the ranks will pick up a gun and go out and start shooting people who they think or they blame for their life, life when they actually had nothing, had nothing to do with them or don't even know them in the first place to begin with. And I think that's wrong. I think it's just wrong to blame other people for, nothing, for somebody else's actions, you know? That's wrong. All right, Reggie, thank you. Andrew, do you want to comment on Reggie's remark? Yeah, I think there is. I mean, people are influenced by different things. Uh, it's it's what we've been talking about is gun violence. It's not there's not an easy solution. Um, some people there's been uh, people you label as right wing conservatives who've shot up abortion clinics, and it uh, there's what happened yesterday. There people there is something that has come out of yesterday is there seems to be a step back. Uh, from the hostileness of our politics. Uh, I don't know how long that will continue, uh, but I think there is a lot of heated rhetoric out there, and some people um, might be inspired by it, which is which is very frightening. Um, Andrew, on speaking of frightening, let's talk about um, some of uh, these uh, numbers, okay? And uh, when I say to talk about numbers, um, by one definition, the GOP baseball shooting is the 154th mass shooting this year. So 165 days, 154 mass shootings. Um, first of all, how do you define, on your, I mean, your organization, not you personally, um, a mass shooting? 
different uh, groups. I think the FBI goes by uh, four people shot. Uh, that's what we tend to look at. Other groups and other organizations uh, out there go by how many people were killed. Uh, but when you have a mass shooting and more than four, four or more people are shot uh, in one setting, uh, I think that's what we look look at as being uh, a mass shooting. Okay. Are there other uh, criteria that other um, organizations or, you know, maybe even some in the press use that you are familiar with or have heard, have heard of as of late? Uh, like I said, it's, it's tricky. I think some go by more than four people killed. Um but it, it, it varies uh, differently. We think uh, labeling some of these as mass shootings is unfortunate because uh, it's still gun violence when a domestic abuser kills his wife in a murder-suicide. It's, it's still uh, – that won't get headlines not as a mass shooting, but uh, that is the day-to-day gun violence. Suicides uh, make up two-thirds of America's gun deaths, um, and they're never labeled a mass shooting, no, of course, but – uh, it, it, it varies. It's, it's a tricky subject. Well, I know that the Gun Violence Archive, a nonprofit organization, tracks information on shootings in the United States. And according to them and their definition, uh, that on 165 days through the calendar year, we're looking at with that number uh, averaging out to a little less than one mass shooting per day, which would which does seem to correlate when you look at the number of people that are killed, and if you add to that even more so injured uh, by guns in a 24-hour period in this country. Absolutely. It's, the, uh, it's a harrowing statistic. Go ahead. Sorry, Pat. Was Andrew. When you look at the amount of gun deaths, uh, I, I think people tend to uh, tune it out, uh, but if there was a disease-killing uh, Americans at this rate, uh, there would be people demanding answers and solutions from their elected officials. Let's take some more calls, and we go on line three to John in Los Angeles. Um, John, thank you for calling. A question or a comment on this issue? I think every time you put, you put a law like this into effect, uh, it would disproportionately affect poor people, and namely blacks, just because they come in contact with police a lot more often than, than middle class or richer people. And once you put a blip on your record, then of course you can never buy a gun. Therefore, you look at you look at people that you can make an argument that truly have anger issues. You take Alec Baldwin for instance. I mean, you can make an argument that he should never have a gun, but you you that would never succeed just to his wealth and prominence. Andrew, uh, which law? The domestic violence laws. Any 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 that black people come in contact with police much more often than white, and usually young black people. And so once you have a charge against you, therefore that young black person will never be able to own a firearm because of he may have been pro- racially profiled as a young black Af- African male. Andrew? Uh, I think, I mean, what we do know is gun violence is uh, one law is not going to solve our gun violence epidemic. It's a complicated puzzle uh, that we are trying to uh, find ways to reduce gun violence. One such law that we have promoted is a, the gun violence restraining order uh, law in California that allows um, a family member who identifies either a, a, a loved one who is at danger or talking dangerously about 
committing a shooting or harming themselves to go to a court and uh, petition the removal of their firearm for a temporary period and allowing a due process uh, to go through and be able to get their gun back after being evaluated. Uh, it allows people to get the help that they need uh, before a tragedy occurs. And who knows these uh, these people better? We've seen several mass shootings where family members have identified that their loved one was uh, acting strangely and had no tool to remove a firearm. So I, if I understand the caller correctly, he's saying we just shouldn't have laws that remove guns from dangerous people? What I'm saying, I'm saying that it's a lot more, you, you say with the people who can call the police, well, I would, I live in South Los Angeles, and I'm, I, I would submit to you that just the culture of the people here, they're not going to call the police and ask them to come and take the firearm away from the crazy family member for a short time. That's an upper middle class issue. I mean, it's just such a, to me, it just, it just stinks of a class issue that we want to go take the guns from these poor people, these same people that, that are profiled and put it at a disadvantage at a younger age. And, and because they were put in advantage and racially profiled, well, now you have a charge against you. Therefore, you can never buy a gun. The only criteria we're looking at at removing guns is dangerousness. Um, exactly. Yeah. And there are not. If a young kid gets pulled over as a young guy, he could be deemed as dangerous. You see it every day. I mean, that's why they shoot them, right? They're deemed as dangerous. So if they char if they charge an 18-year-old, he can never buy a gun again. Is that that's the as I understand it, that's what it reads, right? Uh, laws vary from place to place. Some some laws what have do restrictions. You want? But but do you think that there should be a time when when a person who is convicted of of a vel of a felony of a violent crime should ever have an opportunity to buy a gun again? I think that is a uh, anecdotal question. There are people who are rehabilitated. There are also people who remain dangerous and threats to society that should and not have and there and, and and John, thank you for the call. There are some people that were in prison. You know, many of our prisons are, are crowded with people. You know, who were caught selling or buying or possessing a lot of marijuana, but they're not violent criminals. If it, obviously. Uh, it's hard because, you know, I, I agree and sorry the caller back to into a corner uh, to a degree, Andrew, but I know that, you know, you can handle it in your position and, you know, on talk radio shows. The, the, the bottom line is it's really hard because case by case. And if we just look at the case of the shooter in Alexandria, Virginia, had what you and the coalition proposed and many um, who are uh, in support of gun control measures we wouldn't be having this conversation today because there wouldn't have been a shooting at least by him. And we wouldn't have the, the, the injuries and, you know, in San Francisco uh, wouldn't have the uh, fatalities, correct? Uh, that's right. If you can identify dangerous behavior, uh, it would go a long way to, uh, to stopping some of these tragedies from occurring. I want to talk now, um, and if you have more call, call calls, uh, give us a buzz, 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Um, something that was brought to my attention, you know, being part of the media, Andrew, I'm sure you're aware of this. The shooting of the congressional baseball practice was actually the sixth such incident this week alone. Uh, two days ago, eight people were shot in two incidents in Baltimore. Over the weekend, nine people were shot during an incident in Chicago. Four were shot at a lounge in Tennessee. 
and four teenagers were shot at an apartment complex in Houston. Do you think the media has a responsibility to mention all of these? And would that change the public's outlook or would it perhaps further desensitize them? Because the shooting at the congressional baseball practice, everybody in the country knows about. I would dare say, unless you lived in Baltimore, Chicago, Tennessee, or Houston, you might not know of the any of the ones that I had mentioned. That's right. These, I mean, after the shooting on air in Virginia, there was a lot of talk about the media uh, treating gun violence not as this political football that so often we tend to trap our, these issues into. Um, but this is these are laws. Uh, a lot of the proposals that have been put forth following mass shootings, universal background checks, uh, assault weapons ban, a limit on magazines, are supported by overwhelming majorities of the country, 87, 90 percent, uh, including Republicans, including gun owners, including NRA members. Um, what is Where it slows down is when it gets to the elected officials who still have this uh, – misplaced fear of the gun lobby and, uh, and the way that they um, uh, either raise money or go after people who have even mentioned the most common sense reforms in enacting gun safety measures. Well, when we use that definition that we talked about, um, you know, four or, you know, more uh, being killed, and some include the shooter, some don't. By the way, if you do include the shooter, mass shootings would be 195. Um, but if the mass shooting is defined as four or more victims uh, killed in a public location, um, you know, uh, and then you exclude robberies and gang violence, that number falls more. But just based on what, you know, we have talked about, there have been over 100 mass shootings this year. Um, no matter almost every way that you define it. Um, is it true when you look at these numbers, whether it's gun violence archives or, or, or other organizations, yours and others, the number of mass shootings has been ticking upward in recent years, right? I mean, we have seen a, 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 an, a, an increase from every year from 2014 to 2015, 2016, and this year is no exception, a, a ticking uh, increase. Uh, would you say... That's because it's easier to get guns. More people perceive that they uh, need guns, um, you know, or because it's a multifaceted problem. I think we'd agree. You know, you take out you take out the gun, you can you know eliminate a lot of this, but not a hundred percent, you know, of this. Um, so, why do you think the the uptick over these years recently? Uh, there has been a lot of high profile mass shootings. Uh, I'm not uh, totally sure on how the numbers have varied over the last. Uh, the decade or so as far as total gun deaths, uh, the number that's been used uh, previously around is around 30,000. Um, and a lot of people say 33,000. Actually, in the last recorded year, 2015, it was 36,000. So I think there's just an increase. It, it has to do with fear. It has to do with easy access to guns. And it has to do with uh, the amount of guns we have on uh, available to us uh, with very limited restrictions. Uh, it is incredibly easy. We've seen reports that uh, ISIS uh, touts our weak gun laws to uh, as, a, as a tool to use uh, in committing atrocities. What, what is, you know, I mean, just think about the numbers that we would decrease if the type of weapon 
or the type of individual trying to access this weapon. I mean, to me, it's just common sense and a no-brainer. If you have an individual that's been violent with people before with their hands, and then you put a loaded weapon into that hand, uh, you don't need a degree from Harvard in rocket science uh, to, to see that, that that is a formula for danger and perhaps for death. That's right. It's... Um when you identify dangerousness and you give them the ability to kill a lot of people in a short period of time, which is what many of these uh, uh, assault, uh, highly lethal assault weapons are, uh, it's, it's, it's what we see. It's what we've seen in uh, Aurora and Newtown and uh, so many other places. Um, and it's, it's a problem that Americans need to wake up to. They need to vote on and, and support members of Congress and senators and local officials who are trying to make America a safer place. When you talk about these officials, you talk about the NRA. Ironically, um, you know, a few of these individuals who were, you know, shot in this particular case in Alexandria um, were, you know, huge supporters of the NRA. We even had a uh, congressman come out in the past 24 hours and say he's going to, like, open carry now. Right, and that's going the opposite direction. Uh, th- that is making it easier. That's putting more guns out there. That's making America more dangerous. Uh, but that's what the NRA wants. They want to disable uh, America's gun laws, uh, as lax as they are already, um, and make it easier uh, for people to get a gun and people to use a gun and compl- uh, continue to push them more and more into public places and into our daily lives. Andrew, thank you for being with us. Andrew Patrick from the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. Once again, their website is csgv.org. The Coalition to Stop Gun Violence on Twitter. You follow them there at csgv. And Andrew, you can follow at Andrew underscore Patrick. Um, oh, and on Facebook, go to facebook.com forward slash coalition to stop gun violence. If you want to like their page, you should. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it. Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Want to know the coolest thing about St. Pete Clearwater? We'll give you a hint. It's not the beach. It's Central Ave. This is St. Pete at its funkiest, foodiest, and most fun. It's where street art meets sidewalk cafes and one-of-a-kind boutiques, where everyone is welcome, even dogs, and where the coolest craft breweries meet the city's hottest nightlife. So think outside the beach, get to know St. Pete's coolest street, and experience centralave.com.